It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. I'm Bob McGilligan. The Blue Jackets break their four-game losing streak. Oh, thank goodness. They did that on Sunday evening by beating the San Jose Sharks 6-4. to That's right, 10 goals combined between the two teams, but the Blue Jackets had the bulk of those goals, so they got the win. That's all that matters, right? When you've lost four in a row, you went on a road trip, you didn't win a single game, come home and get a win. They did that in front of the home crowd. Uh, part of the angle that we were kind of playing to before the game was getting back to Nationwide Arena, playing in front of the fifth line, all that stuff. And the Blue Jackets responded to you and the way you carried them through that game, even when it looked like they were on the ropes and when they were down early, when they, uh, well, they weren't down early, they got the first goal, but they were they were getting outshot by a ton. Uh, they give up a goal with three seconds left in the first period. They give up a goal within the first 20 seconds of the second period. But then Sean Corrali comes back and scores 53 seconds into the second period, makes it a 2-2 game. San Jose again takes the lead. The Blue Jackets come back. It was just a fun game to watch. Adam Boquist had his second two-goal game in eight days. Didn't have one prior to last Saturday in uh, St. Louis. Forgot where we were for just a second. In St. Louis, he had a two-goal game, and he had another one against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, He's playing very well. Andrew Peake had a couple of big assists in that game, plus had a physical presence with the way that he played. Uh, Jack Roslovic comes back from a healthy scratch in Washington, and he gets a huge goal for the Blue Jackets in the game. Cole Sillinger, who has been a bit snake-bitten around the net as of late, blocks a shot, comes down the ice in a two-on-one, scores, does it all on that shift, plays defense, plays offense, the whole nine yards. Elvis Merzlikens was very good, especially early in the game. I mean, it was a team win. I always say this. You have team losses where nobody can do anything right, it seems. Then you have team wins where so many people do something right. And that's what that game was against the San Jose Sharks. And it was much, much needed because the Blue Jackets were in for the one game. And now they're back on the road this afternoon to play in Toronto tomorrow night against the Maple Leafs. Then it's back for one more game against Anaheim. And then it's out for a long time. Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Buffalo, five-game road trip for the Blue Jackets is coming up. So it is not going to be easy leading up to Christmas. It is a tough schedule for your Columbus Blue Jackets. They know that they have just one thing they can do, deal with it, play hard, deal with it, and play hard. That's it, two things that they can do by my count. What I can do is get to your questions, and I will, right after I tell you about Telhio Credit Union. Yes, it is the holiday season. Maybe you need a little extra cash in your pocket to get those gifts that you would like to get for your family, your friends. So maybe you're looking for a bit of a personal loan to do that. Well, that's one of the many, many things that Telhio Credit Union does. They do everything from basic checking accounts to savings accounts to loans that are personal loans, business loans. They, they do it all. And if you'd like to find out what they do that might work for you, just go to their website at telhio.org. You can just surf around, click on the different tabs, and find out all of the information that you're looking for. One of the big questions, and maybe the first question, is why should I join a credit union? The answer to the question is right there in front of you. 
So go check it out. If you're doing the surfing and the searching during regular business hours and you can't find what you're looking for, there's a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. Somebody will pop up right on your screen and help you through it. Tell Ohio Credit Union has been serving Central and Southwestern Ohio for a long, long time. They've been great. They love their people. Their people love them. And they are federally insured by NCUA. All right, here we go with your questions. Now, this one was sent to me before the game against San Jose. So let's just uh, go ahead and let me uh, give it that disclaimer, if you will, and listen to the question. I'll come back with my answer. It's that simple. Hi, Bob. Jonathan in Grove City here. I had a few questions for you today. Uh, so first off, I wanted to ask your opinion on offsides reviews. Jackets have had some bad luck here recently, especially Chinakov and getting goals taken off the board. And I was just wondering, if you could change the offsides review, would you? You know, to either change the way that they enforce it or to get rid of it entirely or keep it the same. Um, to me, a lot of times it's not... The offsides reviews aren't really that helpful because... So what if a guy was an inch off sides? Like, if it's not that impactful on the play, just because the play should have gotten blown dead, that to me is just part of the sport. If, if it gets missed, it gets missed. Um, lots of other things get missed that, that are much more impactful on the plays um, in the game than that and don't get called and don't get reviewed. So um, I was just curious if you thought that would get cha- you, you would change that if you could or if there's any other rules that you would be interested in changing if you had that kind of power. Uh, second off, I wanted to ask about Cole Sillinger. To me, it looks like he's fallen off a little bit, maybe hit a bit of a wall um, with the NHL being a little rich for him at this point, you know, the schedule, the competition. And I was just wondering if you thought he might be due for maybe a healthy scratch or two just to give him a break, not because, you know, you're, you're punishing him, but just to literally let his body kind of recover a little bit um, or even maybe a brief stint down in the AHL, um, just something so that he doesn't get too worn out with this season. Uh, but I was just kind of curious if you think that, that he's kind of hit that bit of a wall right now. And then third, I wanted to ask, is there going to be, at any point, a timeout with Brad Larson segment? Uh, I really enjoyed that series with Torts. I thought it was a great way to learn more about him as a, as a man and a coach. Um, and I, I developed a much greater appreciation for who he is as a person. And uh, so I'd love to, to get to know Brad a little bit better uh, if you get that opportunity. So thanks a lot, Bob. Have a great one. Well, Jonathan, thank you very much. Um, let's go reverse order. Time out with Brad Larson. I have not considered it. Here was the thing. Torts was just so good and so open, and he was a veteran coach. Didn't really care what he said. I don't know if you ever noticed that or not, but he was that kind of person that was – willing to be open enough to do those kinds of interviews with me. And I really appreciated it. And I, I still appreciate it each and every day. And I'm not saying that Brad Larson wouldn't be willing to do that. Um, I just think right now as a, as a brand new head coach, and I understand you saying that you'd like to get to know him. I, I thought it was great the other day when I talked to him about Tarasov being called up and I asked him about his very first call up to the NHL. And he gave me the story about getting called up and forgetting his suit and then, you know, not having a suit. And it was great. It really was. And he is a hes a first-time head coach in the National Hockey League. He's got so much stuff going on that I just, I haven't thought about it, quite frankly. I know he has, a, uh, excuse me, I know he has a job to do. Uh, he's kind enough to talk to me before every game, and I appreciate that. So I hadn't thought about it. Maybe as it goes on and, and I start to figure out his personality a little bit and, and if I can get more out of him. Because, look, some people, they just are going to be close to the vest and other people are going to be more wide open. That's 
that's just the way it is. And again, I, I think he's, you know, you're tiptoeing a little bit as a first year head coach. But if I get the sense that we can do something more with him and, and bring out more of his personality and all that, and that he's willing to do that, then it's something that will be discussed. I mean, I didn't start doing it with Torts in his first or his second or his third year. I mean, I think it was year five, five, maybe four or five, whatever it was. You know, it took a while before I asked him about it. And, um, and, and there were other reasons behind it too, you know, to try to give him a break from doing the daily pregame interviews. So there, there were other factors that went into it, but it was great. It was fun. And, and I'm not saying Brad Larson wouldn't be great and wouldn't be fun. I'm just saying it's something that I haven't thought about and I have to go over it. And I, and I just want to feel him out because I don't want to put him in an uncomfortable spot either. I mean, that's, that's my job. The way I see my job is, is to get the best out of him. And uh, it's that way when he's comfortable. Again, we'll, we'll assess everything as we go along. I can promise you that. Now, to get back to your question about offside review, here's what I don't understand. Look, I don't love it. I understand what you're saying about you know, there should be mistakes in the game, the human element of the game. I get it. But there was, and then it was a problem, and so now there's not. And the offside rule used to really be bad, and then they changed it. But here it is with the Blue Jackets. Let's be completely honest about this. If you go back to the last home game prior to the Sharks against the Vancouver Canucks, I believe Igor Chinikov had a goal waved off, and he was offside. And then he scored the goal, and it got waved off. And then he had a goal that was waved off in Washington on Saturday night. Uh, there was the Roslovic goal in Nashville that was waved off. And then finally, there was a goal against the Sharks that was taken off. Now, I will tell you this. The uh, the one of all of those, I think the one against the Sharks was the closest one. But it was still, it, it still was a mistake. So I don't have a problem with the replay, to be honest with you. Now that they've tweaked it, and it doesn't take forever, and you're not splitting hairs on, you know, was a skate up in the air, where was this, and all that stuff, okay? They have simplified the review, so I'm okay with it. I'm I'm not going to complain. Because I'll tell you right now, the one in Nashville and the one in Washington were so egregiously offside. I can't believe that they didn't blow the whistle immediately. And I think, and I don't know, and I would have to ask an official or an officiating supervisor, so it's not fair for me to say, but... It's really easy not to make that call and then have replay go back and fix it for you. It's easier to do it that way than to blow it and be wrong and then have to hear it from the coaches. But I thought, I know the one in Nashville was, I I couldn't believe that they didn't stop the play immediately. Uh, In Washington, it was pretty much the same thing, although it was further away from me. It was on the other blue line. I didn't have as good of a look on it. But I really don't have a problem with that rule because they've already made the changes to it. And as far as any other rules, there's nothing I can think of right now that's uh, that's really that big a deal. I mean, heck, there's almost not even power plays in games anymore, at least not recently. So um, they're, they're kind of letting them play right now. Either the players have totally adjusted or they're letting them play or combination of the two, and it probably is C. That's probably the answer. C, combination of the two. All right, let's go to our next question. Hey, Bob, it's Greg in Cleveland. Okay, good win tonight against San Jose. We're still allowing a lot of goals, but a win's a win. I will take it. A couple things I want to wrap into one here. Uh, A few episodes back, there was a gentleman that brought up the notion that the Jackets are too much of a finesse team, not enough grit. I wholeheartedly agree with that. 
And then with the speculation here that one of our goalies might be dealt before the season is up, my question to you is, who do you think a viable, realistic trade partner would be for such a deal? Um, Edmonton keeps coming to mind. Uh, I don't know why. I know you don't want to trade within your division if you can help it. Um, but what else do you think position-wise we would get in return? You had mentioned previously, don't be surprised if a goalie comes back as part of that deal, but we've got to get a defensive-minded defenseman uh, as part of that potential trade should that go through. Um, I can't get that block shot differential out of my head against the Blues game last week when it was like 17 to 5. That was just obscene. Plus, we need to stop the hemorrhaging here. Uh, this team is allowing a lot of goals. So uh, who do you think would be a realistic trade partner? And what all do you think would be in return? I know you don't want to be a GM. I don't blame you. But uh, I'm going to ask you to, to do that for this question if you'd be so kind. Thank you, Bob. Greg, I understand everything you're saying, but let's just spell it out realistically now, shall we? First of all, the goalie that is the tradable goalie from an organizational standpoint, in my opinion, in my opinion, is Jonas Corposalo because Elvis is playing lights out for the most part. Tarasov has come up. He's gotten two NHL games. He doesn't have a win, but he looks like an NHL goalie. He's only going to get better. He's only going to get bigger. So Corposalo, in my mind, and I hate to say this because you know I love him. I've told you for a long, long time, but facts are facts. When when the facts are the other guys are playing better or when the facts are the upside is with the other guys, then you adjust accordingly, in my opinion. So who would be a good trade partner? Yes, Edmonton does always come across as a good trade partner. But here's the thing. I, I think you're being a little bit unrealistic with this. I don't think you can get that defenseman you're looking for by trading a goaltender. I think that's more of a um, uh, of a trade, maybe a, a Max Domi trade. Let's just say they decide that they don't want to re-up him and he's getting paid too much money for their liking and they're going to flip him, they're going to do something with him. I think you're more likely to get that kind of a guy in that type of a deal, and maybe not if you're dealing with a playoff team because they're not going to want to give up their physical and big defensemen. So I don't know. But you've got to get a goalie back, and I'll tell you why you have to get a goalie back because Tarasov needs to be in the American Hockey League. That's not a knock on him or his abilities. The tutelage there has not been completed. It only commenced. He only came over at the end of last year for a little bit. And this year he starts there, and he's getting much, much better there. But the fact is you want to keep developing him. You don't want him up here playing once every two weeks. And I know you're going to look at the schedule and say, well, it would be much sooner than two weeks. Okay, yeah, I get it. But the whole point is, you want that guy to be in an environment where he's the number one guy and he's getting all the reps. That's how he's going to get better. Not as being a backup or a guy that splits in the National Hockey League. So, to, to me, you've got to get a goalie back because you need somebody to be your backup in the NHL. Now, what teams besides Edmonton seem to make sense? Well, let's see. What happened in Buffalo? They got Malcolm Subban. So it looks like the door's closed on that, or Buffalo would have been right there. Uh, where else can we go around the league? You know, sometimes you find a sleeper team, like a or a team. Maybe they're not a 
maybe sleeper is the wrong word. Maybe you think that they're all set in goal, and yet they don't think that they are, and they want to make uh, a switch of some kind. So what kind of uh, what teams would fall into that category? Uh, maybe a couple. Depends. Um, but let's just say, let's for argument's sake, let's say a team like Minnesota. Let's say that they don't feel that Cam Talbot is the guy that's going to take them to the promised land. Let's say they feel like they have a pretty good team and they have a chance to make a deep run, but they don't know if um, if the guy that is tabbed the number one guy is going to be enough of a number one guy to get them where they want to go. Would you see a team like that making some kind of a deal? I think it's possible. I really do. And I'm not saying imminent or anything like that. I think it's possible that that would be something that could be looked at, whether it's with him or whether it's uh, with another team who's in a very similar situation. So that's my prediction on that. I don't think you're getting the defenseman in this because you've got to have a goalie to play in the NHL as the backup for the rest of the year. And, oh, and maybe you say, why don't we just bring up Barube from the American League and let him do it? I, I just don't think they want to do that. I, I could see why you wouldn't want to do that, quite honestly. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're going to have to settle for what you get. I think maybe you get a pick and maybe you get a goalie, and then you use that pick, perhaps, on the kind of defenseman that you're talking about, or you trade that pick for a defenseman that's already established or what have you. But I just uh, I'm just cautioning you that sometimes you think what you have is worth more than it is. And that's not just uh, Corpusalo. I think that could go for anybody. Sometimes sometimes you get guys that start making deals or they're trying to make deals and the other guy's being so doggone unrealistic, the deal never gets done. So you got to watch out for that. Yeah, I said I never want to be a GM, but that doesn't mean I can't sit back and second-guess them and all that. That's the easy part for crying out loud. That's the part I love. And who wouldn't love that? All right, let's get on to our next question. Hey, Bobby Mack. This is Charlie from North Carolina again. First, I want to say that I think Tarasov came in at goal and really held his own for the last couple games. And I know some of the other callers or people in the mailbag today may have some issues with him or some concern. And I just want to say I think that he did a great job, and I don't think the goalie play is really anything that we need to worry ourselves with as fans right now. I want to talk about the, uh, the lineup, mostly the, the forward play. I noticed that Larson has been changing up the lineup the last few games, probably about the last week. And with Demi being such a spark over the last few weeks, is it, I think it's because of his play that they're trying to mix things up to see what kind of lineup changes they can do? Or what do you think it is? And, it's, and I also want to note on how Emil Benstrom's back, and we have a lot of players that are healthy and proven themselves, like the, the young rookie line that they had on uh, Saturday night, how they played pretty well and held their own as well. So how do you see the lineup shaking up once Lion A comes back and Bemstrom shows himself again with uh, Cleveland? Thanks. Go Jackets. Charlie, it's always good to have you check in from North Carolina. I agree with you about the goalie play. We were just talking about it. I think Tarasov is showing that he is uh, on the path to being the goalie they think that he is going to be. They think he's going to be very good. They think he could potentially be comparable to Andre Vasilevsky. <gasps> yes, it's possible. It is possible. He's a big guy. He's very athletic, all that stuff. So I agree with you. The goalies are the least of the problems right now. With the lineup, uh, when you say to change it up, are you doing it because of the spark plug Max Domi is? 
I guess indirectly, you're looking for players that are going to be able to play together on the same line and get uh, a lot of productivity. And, you know, things just, as Brad Larson puts it, they just kind of got stale. So he's been switching things around, trying to find something that works. Uh, Hoffman was out of the lineup. Uh, Roslevic was out of the lineup. Chinikov out of the lineup. So uh, he's just looking for what's going to work on any particular day. And then if it does work, then you have to decide, well, do I want to go with the same thing or am I going to change to something else or whatever the case may be. So, But I, I think right now, um, easy to say after a win. But it looked like they were going pretty well, to be honest with you. And uh, he was getting production out of his lines. Um, Emil Bemstrom, you asked about. Uh, Bemstrom is healthy again. He is back in Cleveland. He went down to Cleveland to play for the Monsters. This is going to be, this is what I hope it's going to be. You've got to earn your spot by the way you're playing and the effort that you're giving, and and somebody has to be slacking to open that spot for you. That's what will really make this thing work. So as it is right now, Gabe Carlson drew back into the lineup on Sunday. Gavin Bayreuther was out. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of, options a lot of uh, opportunities and um yeah I just I I don't I think Bemstrom is kind of stuck there in Cleveland now if he really starts to light it up then maybe that's a different story but I think he's had his chances here and I'm not saying that he won't get another chance I'm just saying that it it probably is not going to be automatic or it maybe shouldn't be well not maybe in the big picture in the real scheme of things or whatever you want to say um you know he should have to earn it back here and he should have to be out playing somebody to be back here quite frankly so I, I don't know but I think uh, again easy to say coming off a win uh he found something for the moment Justin Danforth is a guy that just won't let him take him out of the lineup right now because I liked his game again so uh we'll see we'll see what happens when we get to Toronto tomorrow night. Okay, I've got one more voice question to get to, and then we'll uh, move on to some other ones that you've sent me. Hey, Bob Mack, it's Bakes, and man, tonight did a lot. It didn't do everything, but it did enough, and I feel much better about the Blue Jackets after the win. <laughs> um, I was really bothered when Voracek and the rookies got split up, and then subsequently we had many line changes all across the board and after you get off to uh, winning the most games or the fastest start in franchise history it made no sense to me at all Um, I'm wondering what you saw if anything that led to some of those lineup changes I do think Jack Roslevic needed to be moved up, and had said that before. Um, a great goal tonight. He's been showing some toughness. Um, but Sillinger and the rookies just have dis- – I mean, Chinikov specifically with Sillinger had disappeared until great goal by Chinikov last night that was wiped off and a great goal by Sillinger tonight. I hope those guys get it back because I was real encouraged – um, defenseman, all I'm noticing is Boquist has got a lethal shot, um, but we make a lot of cross-ice passes deep in our zone, something that Tortorella basically outlawed and uh, is 
Do you think there is a reason we're doing that more? Can it lead to opening up the ice? Or is it sloppy hockey, basically? Which in that Vegas game was awful. (laughs) Um, But last but not least, I love that John Luke Grampier and uh, you both said that he was a listener to the show and that he loves the callers. One of my favorite OG Blue Jackets, and uh, was it a Montreal game where he either had the game winning or the game tying goal, and was one of the stars of the night, and just as a kid, I remember that being a very cool game. Shout out Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Thanks for all you do, Bye, Mac. Hope this gets us going back on the winning streak, and that Patrick Line comes back soon too. Go Jackets. Way to go, Bakes. Way to go with that breakdown and with a shout-out to Jean-Luc Grandpierre. He does. He listens all the time. He calls me every time I put this out. He'll call me and he'll laugh about something I said or he'll further expand on something that I tried to answer or whatever. Yeah, he's he's always giving me feedback on this. So that was not a lie. It was not a lie whatsoever. He's a, he's a big, big fan. And I'm glad that there was a game that, that there was a, an impact on you that you remember with Jean-Luc Grandpierre. As far as passing in front of your own net, yes, John Tortorella hated that because that's the old school way. You never did that. You just never passed it there. The new school way is a little bit different, so um, I don't think it's irresponsible. I just think it is what it is now. You've got to be careful when you do it. You've got to uh, really have confidence and don't screw it up. Just don't screw it up. So uh, that is the thing about that. Again, with the lines... As I just went through here, uh, you know, sometimes they just they just run the course and you've got to switch them. And it doesn't mean that you can't ever put those combinations back together again. Uh, it's not Humpty Dumpty. You can put them back together again. We saw that in Nashville the other night when Brad Larson changed them all in the first period. By the second period, he had them back to where they had been. So uh, you can. You can tinker with them. You're just trying to get something out of your team at any given moment. So that's really what it's all about. And Patrick Line. You mentioned Patrick Laine. Um, yes, he is rehabbing, and he is, as far as I know, he's on schedule. That schedule was four to six weeks, so we get closer and closer to that time frame. Uh, the power play is not the same, right? It's not without him on it, without that that big shot. Now, it's done very well. Let's not, you know, let's not just write it off, especially since they put Adam Boquist out there. Uh, it is, um, it's been okay. It has survived, but surviving and thriving are two very, very different things. But I think that he is going to be coming back soon. Now, let me go uh, back to my emails at Bobby Mac Sports and see what else you have for me because uh, there are some questions for me, like this one from Ethan. And uh, Ethan wrote this before the win against the Sharks. He goes, hey, so after watching these last few games, I had a thought, are we tanking? Ah, I'm kidding. I just wanted to get you going a little bit. Brad Larson warned of this despite our great start. He knew it was going to happen eventually. My question is, how is Line A healing, and will there be any extension to his return with the loss of his father? The power play is not the same without the extra threat that he brings, and what is it going to take to get Bjorkstrand going? He doesn't have a point in the last four games and doesn't have a goal in the last six. Well, I just addressed the Line A thing for you, Ethan, so you got that. Um... I don't think there's any extension to his return because of his father's passing. As far as I know, there's not. But uh, I guess, you know, the injury that he has, it's not a really set timetable. 
that oblique strain, it is, it's more of a feel than it is an actual drop-dead date. So I, I don't know that there's uh, an extension because of his family situation, but maybe there could be just based on the way he feels. Uh, what's it going to take to get uh, Bjorkstrand going? I don't know. Uh, and he got he was going more in the San Jose game, but yeah, against some of those uh, bigger teams that the Blue Jackets have played lately, he uh, he struggled. Let's be honest with you. I'm not saying he's the only guy because there were others, but when you're really counting on him to to put up a lot of points and uh, they can they can control him as was happening, that is well, it's tough. It's it's a heck of a lot tougher. Uh, to do you want to see him at his best and other teams have taken care of him sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the other teams and give them credit as well uh Corey in cincinnati says i listen to a lot of hockey podcasts with former players and one of them or in one theme sorry that often comes up as players playing for their hometown team and how many of them look back at their careers and realized there were too many distractions in that situation family friends social obligations etc I was curious if you think that could be a part of Jack Roslovic's struggles this season. Don't get me wrong, I'm not in the camp that expected him to be an all-star, but certainly expected him to be a big complimentary piece on our second or third line. For a minute there, it looked like he was finally getting something going, but after the scratch against the Capitals, how can he build back his trajectory on this young team? Well, one way is by doing what he did today, scored an all-important goal, right? and uh, gave the Blue Jackets what they needed, a little bit of insurance. They had go on to, uh, well, no, he broke the tie, right? He broke the tie. Boquist gave him the insurance. Either way, uh, if they don't get either of those goals, they don't win the game. So uh, that's how you build him back is you let him get in. Now, Brad Larson was honest after the game when he said that Jack had one good period, and that was the third. He didn't like the way he played in the first and second, and I understand completely what he means. I watched the same game. And he was not a part of it until he made that really good play in the third period. He got the goal, and then all of a sudden, his confidence came back. And uh, he was looking really good with the puck. But that's what happens. That's the way it goes. So that's how you can get him back to what you want him to be. Um, as far as as far as far uh, does he struggle with being a hometown guy and all those other things? They obviously can be distractions, and I'm not sure. I've never asked him about that. I know he was excited to come here and play last year, um, but maybe, maybe you find some of that. I don't know. That would have to be uh, a question I would need to ask him directly in the future. So let's go to uh, Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports. Uh, Ken Welty brought this up to me, and he brought this up weeks ago, and it, here it happened on Sunday and I forgot about it. Ken says, we had the hometown hat trick, Corrali, Sillinger, and Roslovic. Of course, Corrali, born and raised here. Roslovic, born and raised here. Sillinger, born here, so it all counts. Yes, they all scored on Sunday. You're right, Ken. Did have the hometown hat trick, and I missed it. I missed it. Um, here's one from Yo Boy Slim Shady. It says, where do you think the Blue Jackets would be if we if we did not ever trade for Jeff Carter? Look, you can go back and you can uh, look at a lot of things and say what if. Biggest thing to me about trading for Jeff Carter was you gave up Jake Voracek, and it took you a decade to get him back. Also, uh, what else was in that deal? Uh, the first-round pick that they turned into Sean Couturier. But I don't think you can sit back and... and just look at it like that, too. I mean, Jack Johnson came here. Jack Johnson was an important guy because 
he was happy to be here and he helped to turn things around. I know the way he left at the end, it was a bit weird, but remember when he came and the positivity that that brought and the Blue Jackets got a first round pick uh, when they traded Carter away too, in addition to Jack Johnson. So where would they be? Well, I'll tell you this. If, if Jeff Carter would have ever gotten his head on straight as a Blue Jacket, they would be in a much better spot because they would have had their sniper a long time ago because he can still do it in this league when he wants to do it. And quite honestly, in that brief time he was here, he just didn't want to do it because had he wanted to do it, he would have done it. But he didn't. He, he At that point in time, he didn't want to be here, and that was very obvious, and they did the right thing. They got him out of here. And... Again, the, the return didn't change things overnight, but it eventually did turn the Blue Jackets into a playoff team. It, it was the start of it. To, really, to me, the way I remember it all, it was the start of turning things around. Well, that's going to do it for today's Monday Mailbag Edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Thanks for all your questions. As always, the Blue Jackets are on the ice tomorrow night. They're going to be in Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs. It'll be the first meeting of the year between the two teams. It'll be the Blue Jackets' first foray into Canada ever since the bubble season of two years ago where they won some big playoff games against the aforementioned Toronto Maple Leafs. That game gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on both the Blue Jackets radio network and on Valley Sports Ohio. So once again, that wraps up this Monday mailbag edition of CBJ 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until tomorrow night, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.